Welcome to Love Works with Chris and Karen Conley. This is Karen, and I am here with Chris. Chris is the founding and lead pastor of High Point Church, and we are in part two of a series we are doing that's really looking behind the scenes of High Point Church. And this is a lot of fun, because obviously this is what we live and breathe and look forward to pulling the curtain back a little bit further. This is kind of my lifeblood. It's what I think and dream about all the time, but it's not what most people think when they think church. So we are. We're trying to give you this behind-the-scenes look to understand why we do what we do. Sometimes you think, why did they do that? Well, we're going to try to tell you why. That's right. That's the purpose of this. And also, sometimes people just lack of information leads them down the wrong path. Sometimes we make assumptions. One thing I can assure you is that we try to be very, very intentional because the mission of God is very important and very serious to us. Last time, we had the opportunity to talk through what happens from the parking lot to the point that we are challenged by the Word of God on a Sunday morning. Probably most people, if they're not on your staff, would be surprised at how detailed and how intentional and how strategic all of the planning is that goes into every environment that's there. But even as a continuation, as we look at the Sunday morning experience, you talk frequently to our team about three non-negotiables that need to be present in every Sunday experience. These are definitely three non-negotiables for Sunday morning, but they really apply to every ministry environment. And really, if you look beyond a ministry context, in many ways, they apply to every successful environment, every business environment, every entertainment environment, every sports environment. The first one is this. Everybody wants to experience an appealing environment. Now, we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But the second one is there's an appealing environment, then there's engaging presentation. And then the third is helpful content. Those are the three irreducible minimums in order for us to build a foundation for life change and a foundation for success. You call me your other Holy Spirit. Sometimes I'm the devil's advocate. And so I, I'm i always the one thinking, now, what do people think about that? Yes, you do do that. I know. And sometimes it's annoying. Yes, sometimes it is. But in this context, you talk about appealing environment. I think, well, you know, we went to Uganda and you preached. They didn't even have a roof and the church is not the building. So why is an appealing environment important? Because we're not just reaching mature believers. That question comes from the perspective of, oh, I'm a mature believer. I don't necessarily need this. We're reaching people who are skeptical about Christ and skeptical about the church and cynical and people who've been hurt and people who have questions and people who don't know and all these different spectrums of people. If you were to drive up to a campus that's unkept, the yard's not been cut and things aren't maintained and things are in disarray, what begins to happen with your opinion? If they can't keep up this campus well and they can't keep up this facility well, why in the world do I begin to think that they're going to take care of my soul well? Also, when you think about appealing environment, do you want your home to be appealing? This is God's home. It's his house. What we're trying to simply do, we're trying to understand that there are no neutral environments. So every environment creates a positive first impression or a negative first impression. In that first impression, it's a thriller or it's a killer. And that first impression is going to help people take a positive approach to what's going to happen 
next or a pessimistic approach to what's going to happen next. So the environment is strategic. The environment is designed to complement what we're going to do there. But if it doesn't complement, it distracts and it makes it harder to do the work of God. There's a lot of truth in what you're saying and that the appealing environment, sometimes we can have this double standard. We want all these things in our home, but then we think, oh, well, why don't spend money on that? But I think, gosh, you know, God really was detailed. Even in the forming of the temple and the measurements and all of the things, there was a lot of details went into that. Not only details, but honestly, he also commanded us to give him his best. One of the things that we will frequently hear, people will say what you just said a minute ago, well, couldn't or shouldn't the money go to greater needs? When I think about that, I think, is our God big enough to do both? I mean, is it one or the other? If God's people gave their first 10% to the Lord, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says, test me in this and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven upon you and pour down a blessing for you until there's no more need. If God's people were to give the way that we're supposed to give, we would not only do both, we would do more than both. We would do abundance. We would do all of it. And I can assure you that what we are trying to do by creating an appealing environment is to be able to do everything we can to win your family members and your friends to Christ, grow them in Christ so that we can go reach more and more people in this city and in this world. Well, if you start with appealing environment, the second non-negotiable is engaging presentation. Why is that so important? You know, when we think about presentations, there are presentations that are boring and there are presentations that are engaging. We obviously don't want a boring presentation. God's truth is true, but there are some people who teach it in a boring way. No matter how true it is, if it's not engaging, it's not going to be effective. All we're simply saying is that if you look at great business leaders, if you look at great politicians, if you look at great communicators around the world, the presentation is a difference maker. I believe Jesus constantly pulled illustrations from his culture, from his context, to make things incredibly engaging. So we want to do all things in excellence, and we want to be the best communicators we possibly can. We should never, ever strive to do anything less than communicate God's truth with our best. Well, and I think about all of the time that you spend in pouring into our staff, trying to remind them of how much work goes on behind the scenes by the work of the Holy Spirit to get the unbeliever into a church. We've got to be responsible and good stewards of that opportunity. I remember when you were first called to ministry and you had not really spent much time in church at all and you were like, gosh, this is kind of boring. It's like a history class each week. Is this really what God has called me to? And then to realize, wow, his mission, his story for each of us is anything but boring. It is so engaging. Yeah, I I typically tell people the Bible is an R-rated book. I mean, this is not G for general audience. This is not PG. The Bible deals with every topic under the sun. It deals with every sin imaginable. It deals with every mission, every war, every adventure. And the story of God is incredibly compelling. So what we need to do is we need to tell that story in such a way that it speaks to someone's heart. 
We need to tell the story in such a way that it makes sense. Now, sometimes people think being deep is being complicated. That is just so erroneous. Actually, the harder you work to make something simple is really a sign of being able to take a deep concept, a meaningful concept, an important concept, and make it simple is the greatest thing that we can possibly do because when we make it simple, we make it doable. We make it practical. And so the engaging presentation is so important because ultimately everyone that sits in that audience, kind of their bottom line is, did that make sense or not? Can I do that or not? Did that keep my attention or not? And if it's not engaging, they're looking at their watch and they're disengaged. You say all the time people stop attending because they're disengaged. Rarely is it because they disagree. And I think that's especially true in the culture that we live in where more people than not have an understanding of who Jesus is. They're not going, well, I don't believe in Jesus. They're like, well, it really didn't do anything for me. And they don't come back. And what a loss that is to the opportunities they could have had to follow the Lord and see the blessings that come from obedience. Absolutely. Let's move to the third and spend the majority of our time on this third non-negotiable, and that is helpful content. And I know that's very near to your heart. That's where you labor so often over your message and all that you do to go into your teaching time. Tell us a little bit about the thoughts behind the content. Well, the content is the Word of God, and that's a non-negotiable. What we want to do is make the Word of God come alive, but not only make it come alive, we want to make it helpful. And so an acronym that I frequently use in the development of my messages is the acronym MUD. I want to make the content that I teach memorable, understandable, and doable. Memorable, understandable, and doable. That's why a lot of times I try to put my content in these quotes or in these tweetable phrases so that people can remember it. And then people can, if they'll remember it, they have an opportunity to do it. So when we think about helpful content, here's our goal. Our goal is to present the scriptures in a way that is so helpful and compelling that every guest is glad he or she attended and drives away with every intention of returning the following weekend with a friend. That's the goal that our content just comes alive, that we bring energy to the content. We bring expectation to it. We bring excitement to it. And that person is sitting there and going, wow, I've never heard that before, even though they may have heard it before. But when you add the Holy Spirit to God's word, he just opens our eyes and gives us the ability to see something maybe that we didn't see before. As we're kind of behind the scenes and pulling the curtain back, I think probably an appropriate time to add as much as we're talking about all the nuts and bolts and all the things that we do to be intentional. You spend just as much time prayer walking that sanctuary, prayer walking our Collierville campus when you're teaching out there, asking for God to do what only he can do for his spirit. That is what's going to make the word come alive. Man Man's word alone will not. Having done ministry now for 20 years, last May was the 20th anniversary of the first sermon I ever preached. I can assure you that I know one thing. Apart from him, I can do nothing. And I can assure you that if the Holy Spirit doesn't add that supernatural something to my teaching of the Word of God, then it accomplishes nothing. What we try to do when we talk about helpful content, typically for a Sunday morning message between my study, which equals the written preparation, 
and then the work that I do for presentation to try to make sure that I'm going to present it in an engaging way, and then prayer. So preparation, presentation, and prayer. Those are the three components. And then on Sunday morning, like you said, I'll prayer walk that auditorium for at least an hour walking through, praying, asking God to do something. Well, when you have preparation, presentation, and prayer, then all of a sudden you are preaching in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit, and God is accomplishing what only God can accomplish, and you can entrust everything to him, and you can go, the word of God does not return void. One of the things that I think is maybe a distinction in how High Point teaches, how you will teach through a passage, but you have in mind that you want to take that listener into the passage with some expectation. Tell us a little bit about what you are wanting them to do as they join you walking through a passage. When you think about the teaching of God's Word, there's an aspect of it that's academic. You're learning something. But if you learn something and you don't move into application, then all of a sudden, if you're not careful, then you have a tendency to harden your heart because you've learned something and you think that you know it. You kind of have this head knowledge, but it's not gone from the head knowledge to the heart knowledge. And if we're not careful, we have an overexposure to truth with an under response to it, and that equals a hard heart. So our approach, when we think about how we accurately handle the Word of God, we approach it from a perspective with the end in mind. How are they going to obey this? How are they going to apply this? Our approach is to entice the audience to follow us into one passage of Scripture. So we'll typically pick one passage of Scripture and teach through that passage in its context. Occasionally we do topical messages, but 80 plus percent of the time, our approach is to entice the audience to follow us into one passage of Scripture with the promise that the text is either going to answer a question they've been asking. So the text will answer a question that's that's real to them. They've been asking this. Solve a mystery that they've been puzzled about. There's some aspect of life. I just don't know why it works that way. I don't know why it makes sense. I don't know why I can't overcome this. I don't know why. Or resolve a tension that they've been carrying. So the Word of God is going to answer a question. It's going to solve a mystery. It's going to resolve a tension. It's going to bring them to a place of application because it's important for us to remember this equation. Information plus application equals transformation. Information plus application equals transformation. I remember as we were doing our podcast on priority time and mentoring, we mentioned that very same formula. It's because it is true. Every time you open up God's word to caution yourself from just getting information from just increasing your Bible IQ. If you walk out of church each Sunday and there's not a conviction of either how you need to do something different, you need to start something, you need to stop something, or you have a greater view of who your God is that leads you to worship in a greater way, then you've probably stopped too soon. You've probably not taken it from that information to that application stage. So I know that that is something absolutely fundamental to our process. We've said in the previous podcast and in this one, we have multiple people in our audience. And we are being strategic on a Sunday morning to really prioritize teaching to the family of God, to the people of God with the guest in mind. The guest in mind is that unchurched person. This isn't preaching to unbelievers. It's about knowing that they are in the audience. 
it's not just preaching to them. They are our guest, and it's about orienting ourselves to them, knowing they're in the audience. So let me give another example of this. This isn't necessarily an unbeliever example, but the sensitivity to a believer example. We believe in the importance of life. So that means we are pro-life. We don't believe in abortion. So there are times that we will talk about the importance of choosing life. That way, we also are talking about the fact that we don't want people to get an abortion. But we are always aware of the fact that there are people in our audience who've had an abortion. So anytime we ever talk about an abortion and we talk about choosing life, we also say, if you were here today and somewhere in your past, you've had an abortion, we want you to know that God forgives you, that God loves you, that God heals you, that we love you, that we're here for you. And if there's ever anything we can do to walk through that and help you heal in a greater way, we are here for you. So it's being being aware of who is in your audience. See, whether you're engaging the churched or the unchurched, you need to be sensitive to those things so that you bring everybody along on the journey. That leads into a really important question. How is it that as one communicator with a relatively short amount of time and an audience of great diversity, educationally, religiously, age, all of those different things, how do you communicate to all of those different audiences at the same time? How do you manage that tension? That is why it's difficult to have short communication, right? Because there are so many different audiences. So at High Point, we strive to teach for 35 minutes and then have about a five-minute response time. But when you are trying to address different audiences and apply the Word of God to different people groups, it becomes challenging. But we do have certain guidelines to help us in that process. Let me give you a couple of examples of some guidelines that we have for both communicating to the unchurched and also to the church. But let me give some specific ones for communicating to the unchurched. First of all, we want to normalize the fact that we want unchurched people in the house. You know, this is not some Christian country club that's exclusive. No, we are thrilled and happy that you are here. And we're just normalizing and we're trying to say things like, if you're not a regular church attender, we want you to know we are thrilled you're here. If we could do anything to help your experience be positive today or to inform you of anything that we're about our vision and our values, we are here for you. The earlier we can do that in the service, the better. So we try to do that at the welcome, kind of when we're hosting, saying, hey, you are welcome here. You are wanted here. But then this is something that's interesting that people don't necessarily think about when they think about hosting or teaching to the unchurched. We choose a passage of scripture and stay there because we believe they get nervous kind of searching all over the Bible, supposed to be going all over the Bible to find things. They don't know their Bible that well. Let's pick a passage, give them the ability to learn the scripture in a context. It gives them greater confidence because hopefully we will teach it in such an interesting way that they'll want to go back and read it again, that they'll want to go home and think about that again. And if we're all over the place, that makes it much more difficult. What we're trying to do is what I said 
earlier, we want the truth of God to be memorable, understandable, and doable. And I'm always trying to bring my energy to the text so that they see the passion and the the purpose of God in his word and what he wants to accomplish for their life and make it interesting, make it inspiring. One of the other guidelines that we talk about is the fact that we give people permission not to believe or obey. And I really love that because it just acknowledges what is the reality in a room, that there are often people who come in and they're just checking it out. And for us to assume that they're all wanting to take communion or they're all wanting to respond in a certain way or that, of course, everybody in here believes really leaves them feeling like they're not wanted. It's insensitive on our part. We have to understand that everyone's on a journey. Yes, there are those moments where the truth of God, the Holy Spirit just opens someone's eyes and just interrupts the journey. And right now, right here is the moment for them to make a decision and be decisive. But typically, it's a process of someone. The scripture says this, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's a process of bringing them along the way on the journey. The other thing that we've got to be careful about is that sometimes if we're not careful as believers, we criticize unbelievers for doing what unbelievers do. That's crazy. Like we would criticize sinners for acting like sinners. Hello, we criticize the darkness for being dark. You know what? Honestly, the problem with the world is not the world acting like the world. The problem is the church acting like the world. So what we want to do is we want to give people permission along the way to go. We want to build a trusted relationship with you. And we want to take you on a journey of learning the word of God, discovering who the person of Jesus is, and meeting the people of God along the way. And we believe that the more you stay with us in that journey, you'll see that Jesus is trustworthy. And you'll see that he is who he says he is. And you'll see that he did what he said he would do. In that way, we believe it's more effective to focus on the process than it is just demanding immediate quick change. We see in God's kindness both examples. We see that person that they come in that first week. God does get a hold of their heart. But then we also see those that you'll hear their story later. And they may have made that decision that first week, but it was over the course of a few weeks, a few months, that maybe they began to even gain more confidence, and they were then willing to say, I was welcomed here, and I had room to sort this out between me and the Lord, and now I'm confident in that decision, and I want the world to know. I want to go public. And even when that person does come the first time and make a decision, it's important for us to realize that Probably someone else has been nurturing that relationship, another church, another believer, another family. Someone else has brought that person to a place kind of where they were green fruit and just ready to be picked. And we just had the privilege of reaping someone else's harvest that they have sown the seed into. We are almost out of time. Is there any last tidbit that you might want to add that people would find interesting to know of how we approach our method of ministry? I think approach, now it's so, so important to remember this, approach trumps content. You go, well, wait a second, you've been talking about content. And the importance for helpful content, the content is the word of God. Yeah, but if I say something offensive, they won't listen to the content. 
if I say it in a way that is insensitive and I say it in a way that's inappropriate, then all of a sudden my approach has just trumped my content. So it's vital that I model the truth. When you interpret the Word of God, your body language is a lot of the way that you interpret. Your tone of voice is a lot of the way that you interpret. Your approach determines if they think you want something for them or from them. Big difference between the two. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of times people think the pastor just wants something from them. We want something for them. That brings this podcast to a close. If you want more information on High Point Church, we recommend you check out highpointmemphis.com or chrisconley.net or kieranconley.com. And whatever you do, please remember that love God plus love people equals love works.